0: Great.
1: Good to get a shot morning everybody by doing. All right, it's a nice sunny morning, it's good to be with y'all, if you want, we'll uh, pray and sing some songs. Father, we love you, we're here for you this morning. Um, this world's crazy, but you are steady, um, we can always rely on you, God, so I just pray in the midst of chaos that we lean into you more and we'll fall into you, because uh, you're our strength, you're the only thing that's going to get us through. So we love you, we praise you, we give this time to you this morning as we praise you with this song and um, as we hear your word through Leonard. So just uh, as we sing this first song, it'll just be a, a statement, a personal prayer to all of us um, to not give up hope, to spread your light, to shine your love. you god we just thank you that we can be here this morning together thank you for all you bless us with and just thank you for this room simple things down to air conditioning so we love you we praise you and give this time to you amen you want to stand up
2: Good to see everyone I just want you guys to know That my original plan Right now Was to be visiting my cousin Who lives in Hawaii uh, Last week and This coming week But here I am We make the plans But God or something Directs the path And that's the way it is right now We can't really uh, always determine what path we're going to take uh, when when we're following the lead of God and that when things are so unpredictable in culture, uh, we can't even determine uh, paths for travel. How, how many of you have had a chance to take a vacation, to go somewhere and maybe just get away for a little while? Any of you guys? Was it... Uh, was it, was it good? Was it weird? Was it, well, we went there and we were quarantined in our condo for two weeks. I know a lot of people have had that dilemma uh, out in front of them, and so their vacation wasn't exactly what they thought it would be. Uh, and so much of what we do is centered on really inward stuff rather than outward stuff, and maybe that's uh, part of what God's plan is for the moment. I'm not sure. But before we get into um, the message time, I'd like to just find out if we have any prayer concerns or anything on your heart today that we need to lift up before the Lord. Uh, would love to do that. Okay. Okay, Gladys Vota. Um, some of you may have been aware about, about the fact that she had fallen. I spoke to Gladys last week, and she sounds like she's doing pretty good. She's pretty tough. So, but, yeah, keep Gladys lifted up. Mary? Oh, my. Okay. Okay. So a friend of yours fell and broke both of her wrists. What's her first name? Julie, okay, so pray for Julie and for healing there. Okay, any others? All right. No. Okay. Well, thanks for making us aware of that. I hadn't heard that. So pray for Rachel Yokely. Uh, who is uh, recovering from an auto accident, but it sounds like she's going to be okay. Okay, thanks to Rachel. Whoa. So your sister Cindy fell and broke her arm and her hip. Okay, Um, so I want to pray for her. Okay, thanks, Deb. Joe Carroll. There's a pattern here. Pe- people are falling. So pray for your, your, um, your neighbor Lucille. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, um, we definitely want to pray about that. And uh, I won't make any jokes about gravity or anything like that because I've fallen and it's not fun. So we, we know what that's like. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and bow and take everything that we brought uh, with us uh, before the Lord. Father, as we gather in this place and online, we thank you that as we begin this first day of the week, we can tune our hearts and our minds to you, Lord. As we've looked at the past week and seen all of the ups and downs and challenges and opportunities, uh, there is uh, a mixture of blessings and difficulties that I think each of us could bring before you. We thank you for beautiful weather, uh, for time that we can be with family perhaps, for protecting us and loved ones, for uh, beautiful blue skies, for chances to rest and have opportunity to just get away and take vacations for those who have been able to do that. And at the same time, Lord, we have the ongoing tone of anxiety that uh, is in the background regarding just concerns and fears and worries that people carry. And I just ask, Lord, that your perfect peace would surround your people and that that peace would expand into lives that are, are becoming more and more aware of their need for you as this season forces us in so many ways to stop and to think about what is important and what's not and who's important. And Lord, we know that you, uh, above all, are the most important being in our lives, in the universe. And as we make that a priority, we see from that relationship all the blessings that flow into our lives because they are sourced first in you. I pray, Father, that you help us as we not only lift up pastorally uh, the lives of the people that we've mentioned. Uh, We pray for Julie and for Rachel and for Deb's sister and for Gladys and Lucille and just the healing that they're doing right now. We're thankful that injuries were not more severe and we just pray, Father, that you would just give them comfort and relief from any pain and just help this season to be one where in the midst of the trials that uh, these persons are going through, they would know your care and your compassion and your presence. I pray, Father, for Jack Leeper as he heals from his surgery, and I'm just so thankful that um, he's, he's doing well. And just for others that have been in our midst who have gone through similar trials and, and procedures, I just pray, Father, that you would bless and help them uh, along the way also. Lord, as I lift up our people both here and online, you know our hearts and where we are at with you, what we need, whether we need a word of encouragement or a word of um, of redirecting. I just pray, Father, that we would have the heart to receive it. I ask, Father, that you would bless our church as we seek to take our bearings in a season where everything is nothing like what we've ever seen before. And in that unprecedented moment that, that that we've been given, Lord, we pray that we'd clarify what it means to live life dependent upon you, trusting you through the eyes of faith, and just knowing, Father, that as we do, you're using us, even in this time, to be salt and light to a world that desperately needs it. So help us to identify with who we are as your people, your children, and what we have as the precious gift of the gospel and the good news, and then give us hearts to see what you see, and, 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 and eyes to recognize opportunities where you are moving, and use us, Lord. Father, as we just take these things and we summarize them in Christ before your throne, We pray as well that as we pray the Lord's Prayer right now, that the substance of what the words that we say and the intent behind them would just embed themselves in our hearts so that we could live out the rest of the six and a half days for your purpose and for your glory. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, as we uh, just continue on in the message series that we're doing on uh, virtually reality Uh, It's a good way to take the stories that Jesus told and really ask the question, how do these have any bearing on what we're going through, especially in 2020 with uh, COVID-19 hanging in the backdrop of our lives? And I think it's really been providential and timely that these parables that we're looking at have spoken to so many of the things that I feel like have been in the room that uh, this season has brought, brought to us and the challenges that we face. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 6. And there's a lot in that chapter that's all sort of woven together, but I want to just take a little section of that chapter and focus primarily on verses 43 uh, through 49. And as we do that, um, I... I want us to um, have a question in the back of our minds. And that is, as we prepare to go to meet the Lord in, in heaven and then ultimately prepare to be with him in a new body, a glorified body in his new creation, what is it that you and I take from this life with us to that place. Any idea? Because they will you've heard the saying that when you go, you can't take it with you, right? I mean, you can put stuff inside, not to be too morbid, but inside your casket. But at the end of the day, it kind of stays in the ground with what's left of you. But there's something about the substance of who we are, our soul, that goes to be with the Lord that, well, it has... It has some things that accompany it that we do take with us. And what I want to explore today is that thing that you and I need to pay attention to because we're going to be taking it with us when we go to meet the Lord. All right? So everybody confused? If you are, that's probably good. But if you're not confused and you're like, I think I know what it is, Um, maybe all the better, uh, because that means you're ready. As Jesus is telling these stories, he's focusing on that one thing in these stories that makes all the difference in the world. And as we read this passage of Scripture, maybe you'll see it. So here we go. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from, the, from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So we're going to stop right there with that one. And as we do, um, maybe, maybe the answer is starting to clarify in your mind, maybe not. But I just wanted to share, I, I was kind of excited to uh, take my wife to Hawaii. First of all, my niece lives there, so accommodations are free. That's a plus, right? Because nobody's traveling in air, airplanes that much. Ch- tickets were dirt cheap, and then I could have bragging rights to say, yeah, the good husband that I am, I took my wife to Hawaii just because I'm that type of a person. I can't do any of that, but I was enjoying preparing for the trip, and I had my suitcase uh prepared as far as what I was going to be taking and what I wasn't going to be taking, and that's, that's a, I've never been to Hawaii before. Has anybody been to Hawaii? I don't even know what to pack. Do I pack a t-shirt and, and, and shorts? Do I pack jeans? Do I pack a jacket? And then what do I take in terms of preserving the memory? Well, I bought a GoPro so that I could do that amongst other things, and I was really looking forward to it. It was supposed to go underneath the water, and I was looking forward to snorkeling and stuff. Oh, I don't have a snorkel, so I needed to take that as well. And, well, um, I was going to spend some time on the beach, and maybe I'd go surfing. So I need to take my surfboard. But I don't have a surfboard, so that's probably not going to work. And have you ever packed for a trip, and you're like, I better take this because I might need it? And have you ever packed like two days before, thought about it, and then you're like, why am I hauling these five cases of stuff? I'm probably never going to use all that. And so you kind of prune it down, you whittle it down, and you just essentially leave with only the things that you know in your heart that truly matter. And you need that process, don't you, of kind of pruning away the stuff that you don't need, like you don't need that pack of 20 razors. You don't need the the mega size of shaving cream or hairspray. You don't need to be carrying all that stuff. And as you sift through it and sort through it, it becomes very clear what is essential, what is going to really realistically be appropriate, and what is going to be something you're just going to haul over there so you can haul it back. You ever been there? Well, our faith can kind of be like that because essentially God says to each of us, you need to travel light but you need to travel with just enough that you have the essential things with you at all times. And one of the things that Jesus brought to mind that was essential, I think, was the ability the ability to discern. Because one thing that happens when you travel, if you ever traveled to a place where there were a lot of vendors or there were a lot of people selling you stuff, and you find that very quickly... They have a very compelling way of getting into your pocketbook. And before you even know it, you're giving money or you're following somebody somewhere. And all of a sudden, you're in over your head. Well, Jesus said that we need to be very wise and discerning. And a lot of times, it's hard to do that, isn't it? And in this parable that that he just gave, or this, this teaching, I guess, It's something that I've passed on to my kids. It's something that I feel like if they're going to travel through life, they need to know this. And you know what that is? When Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit, was he saying, you'll know them by what they say? Or was he saying, you'll know them by sort of what they're producing in their life? And there's a difference, isn't there? Because one thing that will happen in life is people will tell you things are such and such, and you just believe them on face value. And probably if there's ever been a moment where we hear words that say things are such and such, and it could, it could be as deeply serious as COVID, Like there for a while, they were saying, uh, masks don't do anything. Then they were saying, yeah, masks do something. Then they were saying, you need to get a vaccine. Then they were saying, no, you don't need to get a vaccine. And you find yourself just going through all the categories of threat and just simply walking away confused. Now, when will we truly know what is going on with COVID-19 and the impact that it truly has, realistically, on, the, on, on, on people. When will, we, when will we know that for sure? Probably a few years from now. We'll look backwards and we'll say, this has been the fruit of that experience. Some people got very ill, some people died, This is the percentage of the population. Many people stayed well or got slightly sick, and this is the percentage of the population that that happened to. And at the end of the day, only as you look backwards and you see what that experience produced will we really even know. I remember having the conversation right out the gate. I was, it was very vividly stated. This thing that is coming is bad, and it's going to destroy lives, and hospitals are going to be full. I don't want to be overly morbid about the point other than to say, it is bad, but I'm not sure if the initial words reflected reality. Now, that's just a dramatic case in point where you just can't always believe what you hear. But we trust authorities, don't we? And as Jesus is telling these words, there were a group of people who were authorities called Pharisees, and they were saying that if you work harder on the finer points of obeying all of the rules, you'll be a holy person and pleasing before God. And so they worked very, very hard to keep all of the rules, and then they worked very hard to let everybody around them know that they were keeping all of the rules. But people were stepping back, and they were saying, you're keeping all of the rules for sure. You're wearing the right clothing. You are um, doing the right rituals at the right time. You're praying. You're fasting. Publicly, people see that you're clearly religious, religiously-oriented individuals. But when people zoomed back, and after listening to the words and seeing the the rule following to a very extreme extent, they zoomed back and they said, wait a minute, there's something not right about what we're hearing them say and what they are doing. And you know what that was? They were doing everything except the most important thing. And that was loving God with all their heart. Loving their neighbor as themselves. Everything else was a, was strictly a means by which they were conforming to the rules. But their actions were saying they weren't obeying the most important rule of all. And so when Jesus says... Bad fruit comes out of bad people. Do you know who he was talking to? The religious people. Isn't that weird? Religious people. Of all the people who know the Bible and can speak it well, Jesus was saying the fruit that's coming out of their lives is not what it's supposed to be. And so I tell my kids, even religious people can say all of the right things and the only way you know whether or not it is the real deal is by what you see them doing, the fruit and the fruit of the Spirit. Because you can't argue with an attitude of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. You just can't. You either see it in people as they live their lives out and give the clues, or you don't. And Jesus was calling it out, and he was saying, I want you to have the ability to smell cow manure when you see it. I'll just leave it at that. And it's his way of telling us, you have to be discerning in this world. Because there are tricksters out there, and there is a main trickster who wants to tell you a whole lot of things that simply are not true. And the only way you know is whether or not they come to bear. And if the fruit doesn't line up with the words, then you've just been conned by a good salesman. We went to, John John Barrett and I went to the um, uh, Huffman's uh, fruit farm. And we were looking for habaneros I don't know if you like habaneros or not but you dial those things in just right in their flavor mmm that's a weakness of mine but there was a there was a whole line of habaneros and the sign said these are hot so John I don't know if you know John Barrett that well he has boundary issues and sometimes um, he just does what he thinks he need to do in the moment. And so John went right over there, he picked one of them, he broke it open, he took a bite out of it, and he said, I can't even taste it. And then he said, here, and I'm like, I don't know if I trust you, John, but I will, on your word, take a bite. And it had no heat whatsoever, but the sign said, these are hot. And I'm like, that sign is really misleading because it should just say these are habaneros in form, but they are not habaneros in function. And that's what we have to sort through. We have to ask the question, what does it produce? What does that person produce? because when people look at you and I in this moment right now they're asking the question what makes a christian different especially in these times what is it about their faith that in a time of crisis like this i could say i want that i need that in my life i need i need despite the fear and the worry and the anxiety I need to know a peace that passes all understanding. I need to be able to love people and not be stressed out so much that I'm barking at them. I need to be able to be kind when I just want to shout out. And when Jesus says, I need you to be aware that there's a difference between what people say religiously and what people do, And then I need you to tune into what that means, which leads to the second part of this parable. And so we we pick up where we left off in in what Jesus has to say by uh, describing uh, what a person goes through when they build a house. So maybe you didn't go on vacation and instead you stayed home and you built on your house. Or you planted a garden, or you did something that was a a construction activity relative to the fact that now I'm sort of quarantined and being at home. And if you did that, then you probably had to think very carefully about what that meant. So, reading in Luke chapter uh, 6:46, if we can put that up on the screen, um, we read these words. Let's jump to the next um, the next 46 through 49. It says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug, a, dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against the house and could not shake it, because it had been built built well. But the one who hears and does not do them is like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, and when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Anybody ever been to the Outer Banks before? Have you ever seen how they build houses out there? They're basically all up on stilts. And that's because when the hurricanes come, and they will, that house will be able to sustain whatever it is that that hurricane can produce in, the ter- in terms of flooding. But it's not always able to sustain what it can produce in terms of wind. And a lot of times when the hurricane happens, they'll show on, 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 on TV or in the media what the aftermath looks like. And it makes you shudder because you're like, I love going to the Outer Banks but I definitely don't want to go when that's happening. And sometimes people get caught out. But if, they, if all things go well, the stilts hold, the foundation is solid, and the house lasts the week, you have a great time, don't you? But you have to ask yourself, what is the risk of going to the Outer Banks and facing a hurricane? And if you've ever been to the Outer Banks, has that not been part of the question? Is this or is this not hurricane season that I'm putting $1,200 down or whatever it costs for a week to to, to be there? If that is not your first question, then you probably shouldn't go to the Outer Banks. I'm just going to tell you out, out of the gate. But if it is your first question, then you're aware of what it looks like in the aftermath. Now I saw a picture of a hurricane-devastated area of of of, um, South Carolina, North Carolina, one of the Carolinas, and it it basically showed all the houses were gone, or all you saw were just fragments of the houses, except for one, and it was still standing. And it was odd. And the description said that the house actually was more deeply anchored, more sturdily built, and probably coupled with just maybe they prayed a lot, it survived. And in the Outer Banks there just isn't much to anchor into because it's a lot of sand and there's bedrock way down there. But overall, you're in a pretty vulnerable place. And if you were tempted by a salesman to buy a house out there, what would happen is they would tell you, you don't have to worry about that stuff. You can buy insurance and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, everybody knows in the back of their mind, this is risky. This is risky. Now, as Jesus is telling this part, he's saying two things. One is, not only should you be aware of words versus fruit, but you should also be aware that if you're going to build something, you need to do it wisely, and there's going to be risks associated with that. Those are just two things to consider. Build wisely, and there's going to be risks. But what are we building? What are we building in the first place? We're building us. We are building lives that are anchored in the reality of God. And what is it about our lives that we need to work on? What is it about your life and mine that we're going to take with us to meet the Lord and ultimately into the new creation. Anybody know? Anybody want to guess? I saw Ferris Bueller with my family the other night, and I just keep thinking of the teacher saying, anyone? Anyone? Well, what we're building, what God is building into us, and what we are building into each other through the set of experiences that we have together is our character. It's the one thing that you and I take with us. We we don't have any choice. And it is either a good character or a bad character. Now, I hope being... Religiously, or now let me put it this way. I hope being Christ oriented people that we are aware that God is doing a character building process in our lives every day. I had a friend, or I knew a guy rather, who decided to build a house and he wanted to do it the right way and he wanted to put bricks on the exterior. And he did it all by himself. And it took him about four or five years. He'd come home from work and he'd go to work on this house. He'd work on the bathroom. He'd work on, you know, the foundation. He'd work on, uh, you know, the, the framing. He'd work on the finishing. Just every day would go and do just a little thing. And then four to five years later, He he could step back and he could say, all that perseverance paid off. And people would see pallets of bricks in the front yard and they'd be like, when is that guy going to finish that job up? Well, it took him about four or five years because he was developing it by himself. And what God is trying to do is build a house at a, actually a quicker pace. Now, how would that gentleman build that house with all of those materials in a fraction of the time? What, what, what do you think? Well, maybe get some friends to help, hire a crew, have a team of people. And essentially what God is doing in your life and mine is he is building something in us and through us. And he's using us to build in the lives of other people, character. And the more we are able to do it together, the stronger the foundation when Jesus was getting ready to go to meet the Father and he knew the crucifixion was just right around the corner there is a long elaborate prayer that's given in John chapters 14 through 17 and basically he opens up the prayer with the recognition that the storm is coming and they may not all weather the weather the storm But his concern was that there would be enough established in their being individually and collectively that when the storm came, they wouldn't fall away. That they would be anchored, that they would be strong, that they would have the character to persevere. And that was his primary concern. But the only way that that prayer could unfold in a way that would accomplish that was to pray that we would remain in him as he remains in us he really is the, the concrete the glue the nails all of the things that hold it together he's the one who provides that my son Christian showed me a picture of a house in Georgia. And it was made out of brick. And what was interesting about the house is, there was no mortar. It was just bricks stacked upon bricks. And um, the house was probably about 50 years old and parts of it had fallen in. And I thought, and I asked him, I said, why did they build a house without mortar? And he said, well, the bricks were, must have been easy to get, but the, heart, but the mortar not so much. And these houses were pretty elaborate, two-story, kind of spread out, but just badly made. And when Jesus prays, remain in me, and I remain in them, it's his way of saying, this process that is happening in your life and mine where we are being tested constantly, tested by COVID, tested by our own patients, tested by our own limitations, tested by our own character weaknesses. The only way through this process is to recognize he is using it all to build us up. But if we don't remain in him, it's going to fall apart. Now, the reason why this message has taken this direction, to be quite honest with you, is because as demographers are looking at the church right now, and they're saying attendance has dropped precipitously, like 30% in the average church, big or small. And that millennials who are online have gotten to the place where at first it was sort of a novelty to participate but now in surveys only half of them are even bothering to show up online and the question I have to ask is what kind of foundation has been put in place and for some they're just getting started and the need to stay connected to Jesus doesn't doesn't really register yet and for others well they've been doing it a long time But like the Pharisees, it was a lot of going through the motions but not really remembering what the main thing was, to constantly, vigilantly love God with all our heart every day and love our neighbor as ourselves always. And I hope that this message, if anything, is just a way of helping us to realize we're committed to something. And it requires perseverance, it requires a level of discipline. But more than anything else, it requires a daily invitation of the Lord Jesus into our lives into our day, into our conversations, and just keeping him alive there. And as he does that, he's building something in you and I. One piece at a time, one day at a time, into a beautiful house. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of building project I want to be a part of. Well, as we just consider what God is doing and how he's doing it, he's always looking to onboard us, you and I, into, into, into what he has happening. And maybe, maybe it's just an invitation to be a part of it, to be a part of his family. And I, I just want to express that as an invitation to each of you if you feel like God is pulling you into his orbit into his family. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's just recognizing, yeah, I need to be connected. And perhaps if that's something that's settled already, then maybe God's saying, I want you to just stop for a second and ask the question, am I listening to the voice of God or am I listening to a lot of confusion in the world? Am I being wise in what he's doing in my life that he's building? And any risks that I'm taking, am I taking risks that aren't going to undo my life in him? Would you bow with me? Father, as we just take the words of your son and we say, Lord, Lord, We pray that we could do so in a way that resonates with what you see happening in each of our lives, that we could see you in your person, in your character, and we could see ourselves by comparison and recognize that it is only through Jesus, lives that are sourced in him and remain in him, that that fruit can even possibly begin to emerge. And as it does, Father, I just pray that you help our characters and our lives to be surrendered to yours, that you would work in our lives in a way that produces good fruit. We pray that we could do this for your purposes and for your glory. And in this season where we can't do a whole lot, we can at least ask the question, Lord, what are you doing inside of me right now? that I need to pay attention to so that when I can go and do those things that we freely take for granted, what's inside of me will come out in a way that produces good fruit. Help us, Father, in that journey, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna move into our communion time. As we do that, um, I think most of you kind of know the drill, but if not, um, the hardest part may be just getting the lid off of it. And once we do that without spilling it, the second hardest part is taking the wrapper off of the bread. Are you with me so far? Let's assume we've accomplished all of that. And if you need a do-over, we have more communion out back and feel free to just get one. All that logistical stuff aside, the effort that we put in to just opening that up by no way compares to the effort Jesus made to make this a reality. It is his way of saying, I know you are a work in progress. I know you need grace every day. I know the mercies that I shower down upon you are necessary. And it's a way of saying that the barrier between ourself and him, he says to each of us, and I know that without the shed blood of my son and his broken body, you wouldn't be able to know me as your father. And so as we take the loaf and we eat of it, we give thanks that God made the effort to reach out to us through his son. And as we drink the fruit of the new covenant, it's God's way of saying, I am keeping you in covenantal faithfulness until that day comes where I call you home.
3: to continue praying please uh please do so but we're going to uh sing our last song and a good position of heart as we go into this song uh with everything that we just heard um is to sing this confessionally this is what we believe about christ uh because the truth of christ the gospel is the only thing that can shake us loose from the and shake loose from us those things that we uh that are a part of us that God would cut off of us. And so when we adhere to these things and bring these things into us, this truth of Jesus and the gospel, uh, what we're doing is, and what he's doing within it as we sing, and he strengthens our faith and he, um, he evicts those things. He begins to evict those things. He loosens their their hold on us and he replaces it with joy in Him, because before He's anything, He's merciful. That's really good news. And so that's, uh, let that be in you as we sing this last song.
4: Summer flowers, we fade and die. Oh, fade! Here's the beauty, hurry by. Oh, but life eternal calls to us as a call. You know other, oh, my really soul is satisfied Some at the cross at the cross we'll of See yeah. Clean of life, the cross.
1: Father, we love you. Uh, we just thank you for this time we've had together. I pray for everybody as we go from this place. We keep our eye on you. We put you first in everything. And uh, just uh, said earlier, God, we just rely on you more every minute of every day. Pray for blessings on everybody here as we go. We love you and we praise you, God. Amen. Hope you all have a nice week.